Hello once again everyone and welcome back to episode 7 of the IMDb Top 50 Marathon Podcast, the show where I make my way down the IMDb list of the 50 highest rated movies of all time, ranked by user reviews, and I share my thoughts on them. Uh, as expected, every film so far um, I've been able to enjoy to some extent, which is to be expected, but still nice. Um, it helps kind of motivate me to keep doing the podcast, if I'm honest. Uh, right, anyway, uh, I hope you've had a good week so far, um, if you listen to this on the day this is coming out anyway. Uh, I hope everyone's staying happy and healthy with everyone uh, with everything going on right now, uh, and if not, turn this shoddy podcast off and talk to someone seriously get your priorities straight um (laughs) right anyway as you'll be able to tell from uh, our title today we'll be looking at number 44 on our list today which is terminator 2 judgment day the 1991 james cameron action thriller sequel starring arnold schwarzenegger uh it's earned another 8.5 on imdb um big jump up from the original which scored a still very respectable 8 out of 10 on the dot. Uh, anyway, this film's got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 4.2 out of 5 on Letterboxd, so very prestigious. Um, so this is definitely one of the most iconic and recognisable films of all time and features a lot more famous lines, scenes and characters than the first film in the franchise. So uh, yeah, I watched this last night. Uh, how does it hold up? Is it just a bland, cheesy action movie, or is it something more? Well, uh, before we get to that, let's go through the plot, as always. Right, so, in 1995, John Connor is living in Los Angeles with his foster parents. His mother, Sarah Connor, had been preparing him throughout his childhood for his future role as the human resistance leader against Skynet, the artificial intelligence that will be given control of the United States nuclear missiles and initiate a nuclear holocaust on August 29th, my birthday, eh? uh, 1997, which will be known uh, after that as Judgment Day. However, Sarah was arrested and imprisoned, put into a mental hospital after she tried to bomb a computer factory. Uh, In 2029, Skynet sent a new Terminator, designated as T-1000, back in time to kill John. Uh, Sarah's son. The T-1000 is an advanced prototype made out of liquid metal uh, that gives it the ability to take on basically any shape um, or any appearance of uh, anything it touches and it can transform its arms into all these weapons, blades, knives, other shapes just by will. Um, The T-1000 eventually arrives, he kills a policeman and he assumes his identity. He also uses the uh, police computer at the headquarters to track down John. Uh, Meanwhile, the future John Connor has sent back a reprogrammed Model 101 Terminator to protect his younger self. Uh, The Terminator and the T-1000 converge on John in a shopping centre and the chase scene starts after which John and the friendly Terminator uh, escape together on a motorbike. Um, fearing that the T-1000 will soon kill his mother Sarah in order to get to him, John orders the Terminator to help free her after discovering that the Terminator must follow his orders, no matter what. So they then encounter Sarah as she's trying to escape from the hospital, although she's initially reluctant to trust this new Terminator. 
Um, after the trio escape from the T-1000 in their police car, uh, the Terminator informs John and Sarah about Skynet's history. Uh, Sarah learns that the man most directly responsible for Skynet's creation is a man named Miles Dyson, who's uh, an engineer for a company called Cyberdyne Systems. He's working on a revolutionary new microprocessor that will form the basis for what will become Skynet. Uh, Sarah gathers weapons from an old friend and plans to flee with John to Mexico. But after discovering, uh, well, after having a nightmare about Judgment Day, uh, she instead sets out to kill Dyson in his house in order to prevent Judgment Day from occurring. So she finds him at his home. She wounds him, but she finds herself unable to kill him uh, in front of his family and small child. John and the Terminator arrive, and they inform Dyson of the future consequences of what's going to become of his work. Uh, they learn that much of his research has been reverse-engineered from the damaged CPU and the right arm of the previous Terminator who attacked Sarah all the way back in 1984 in the first movie. Uh, convincing him that these items and these uh, designs must be destroyed, uh, they eventually break into the Cyberdyne building, his place of work. Uh, they retrieve the CPU in the arm, and they set explosives to destroy Dyson's lab. The police arrive, and Dyson's fatally shot by them, but he manages to rig up an, an improvised dead man switch that detonates uh, the explosives when he dies, blowing up the building with him in it. Uh, the T-1000 relentlessly starts pursuing the surviving trio, eventually cornering them in this uh, what you call, uh, steel mill. Um, the T-1000 and the Model 101, uh, also known as the T-800, uh, fight, and the more advanced model seriously damages and shuts down the T-800. However, unbeknownst to the T-1000, uh, the RT-800 brings itself back online using this um, alternate power source. Um, and this T-1000 nearly manages to kill John and Sarah, but the Model 800 uh, takes it by surprise and blasts it into a crucible of molten steel with a grenade launcher. Um, that then just dissolves and uh, ends up destroyed. So John then tosses the arm and the CPU of the original Terminator into the vat as well. And as Sarah is relieved that this ordeal is finally over, and Terminator explains it to ensure that it is not used for reverse engineering itself, um, it must be destroyed too. So, the T-800 asks Sarah to assist it in lowering it into the vat of molten steel, since it's unable to self-terminate. Although, uh, John he keeps begging and eventually orders the Terminator to reconsider, this time it makes the decision to defy him. He bids them farewell and he hugs John uh, before he's lowered into the vat, giving a final thumbs up as he disappears into the uh, molten steel. John and Sarah drive down a highway with this kind of renewed hope for the future based on what they've just seen of the Terminator's selfless actions. Alright, so what did I think of this one then? Well, unsurprisingly, I was a fan. Uh, I rewatched the first Terminator film before this for context, but I don't really think that was uh, really necessary. There's new characters, new Terminators, and new roles for the Terminators that we saw before uh, in this film, so it feels very much like a different film, one that you can enjoy by itself as a standalone kind of thing, as it doesn't just come off 
um, by any means as a money grab. Uh, if you look at the budget for the film, at the time, it was the highest of any film ever released um, at $98 million, and that's not adjusted for inflation, so that's a hell of a lot. Uh, a massive jump up from the original $6 million budget. And at the box office, um, it made over $500 million, uh, more than five times more than what the first film made in cinemas and theaters worldwide. Uh, and yeah, it's clear to see why this was the case. Uh, it's longer than the first film, by about half an hour or an hour, depending on which edition you watch. Uh, and it's just generally better, more entertaining, well-paced film uh, with more memorable story elements. Uh, so thematically, let's start with that. What stuck out to me? Well, anyone familiar with the franchise will know that ultimately it serves as a warning for humanity of the dangers of rapidly advancing AI in a society like ours that uh, seeks to enable it and encourage it. Or in a more just general sense, it just warns about humans getting ahead of ourselves with technological advancements that we aren't necessarily ready for and aren't really viable for the betterment of civilization. So um, in this film, one of the main talking points is the Terminator's sense of morality or lack of it. Uh, now, it's easy to just say that, oh, the Terminator is this indiscriminate killing machine that has no regard for human life. Um, he even states himself that that's the case, but uh, we see multiple small clues and pieces of symbolism to suggest that there's at least some essence of morality in him, not that's intrinsic to him, but maybe he's require, um, acquired from spending time around humans. I mean, after all, the T-800 says himself that his knowledge and perception of the world develops over his lifespan uh, according to the interactions he has with humans. I mean, take the sunglasses, for example. Uh, when the T-800 first picks them out of the pocket of the man at the bar in the robot's first scene, this seems kind of comical and cheesy, but uh, maybe it represents something more. Uh, the T-800 puts these on immediately, and in a way it kind of dehumanizes him for a bit. You know, blocks his eyes um, from the view of the viewer or his victims. It makes his killing look a lot more robotic uh, and simple, uh, suitable to how he's been programmed, really. Um, but then he shows morality for the first time in the film, or at least some kind of version of that, uh, helping Sarah Connor out of the mental hospital. Uh, the glasses come off and they're broken, I think, when a T-1000 steps on them. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that the removal of the object that blocks his eyes, reducing him to what he is, a robot, uh, coincides with the beginning of his progression to an actual character uh, that seems human uh, to an extent and generally wants to protect John and Sarah uh, in a much more personal and intimate way than in the way he's been programmed. Uh, but that's not to say his instinct to kill ever really disappears or diminishes in the film. He kills dozens of innocent police officers and attempts to kill pretty much everyone who lays a finger on him, or John. Um, but the killing kind of slows down as the film progresses, but it's still very much constant um, in his programming. Uh, one interesting thing to note, though, is that we never actually see the Terminator kill anyone, uh, or any, you know, if any of its bullets uh, actually make contact with the people that uh, he's killing. The shooting and the death that he causes all happens fully or partially off-screen, 
And this makes us see both the T-800 and the T-1000's victims in the same way that they do, just nothing more than lifeless obstacles with no discernible life or value in them or right to live. Uh, another visual cue I appreciated in this film was the use of colours and colour grading. Very blue looking movies are kind of a staple of James Cameron's work, but this kind of elevates the importance of more dingy dark colours. Blue's the most common colour uh, in terms of recurring hues in the foreground and background of scenes when the T-800 is the focus of the shot. Uh, when we first see him, it's night and he's lit by some lightning behind him, like a kind of electric blue colour. Uh, and when he's sneaking into the hospital, the scene's very dim and blue as well. Uh, and it's worth noting that both of these scenes take place during or just before a moment of violence where the Terminator kills some people. Uh, now flash forward a scene or two to where the T-800, Sarah and John, are driving out from the hospital and Sarah's scolding her son for uh, coming back for her to save her when she claims she could have just escaped alone. And yeah, this scene, as expected, is lit with the same heavy blue as well. Uh, to me, this could mean that, um, as is further evident from previous scenes featuring Sarah in the hospital, she's lost her humanity to an extent and um, compa compassion for even her son, John, was always desperate to um, she was always desperate to get back to him and she doesn't hesitate to almost inject an innocent prison guard with acid upset uh, poison while she's there um, anyway it's all from these cues that we can decipher that Sarah's become very comparable to a Terminator um, pragmatic and quick thinking but remorseless and quick tempered in the heat of action uh, however, in the final scene, both the Terminator and Sarah's face are lit up with orange, almost heavenly kind of light from the molten steel, uh, a stark contrast to the um, lighting before. This shows a transformation in them, I think. Uh, for the Terminator, he's less cold and ruthless now, and he's willing to sacrifice himself for the good of John and Sarah and uh, preventing a dystopian future. And for Sarah, she's redeemed herself from her earlier actions by realising how important John is to her and she'll now protect him at any cost. And it's small details in the fabric of the film like this and make you really understand why the first two Terminator films, both directed by James Cameron, received so much better reviews than the third, fourth and fifth instalments in the franchise, all directed by random other people known for pretty typical generic action films. Um, but yeah, the core message of this film stays clearly present throughout the whole course of it. It's all about morality. It uh, looks on this in both a pessimistic and an optimistic way. It says how certain humans can do horrible acts and make them no better than machines, uh, even the ones that they themselves create. But ultimately it makes it clear through the events in the movie that one of the only ways to spot a Terminator as it disguises itself as a human is that it just can't fully replicate or understand the human experience. Uh, the T-800 is confused by John crying, he doesn't know what crying is or how it would be um, triggered, and he has to be taught how to speak more casually, and it never truly comes to understand why going around killing people is ultimately wrong. Uh, so in a weird way, this perfect, efficient, killing machine of the future goes through the biggest character arc of all in the film, if you can even call him a character, but I don't know, that's kind of philosophical. 
um, alongside maybe Sarah who manages to return back to her normal self after spending most of the movie has this highly strong blood-hungry, revenge-hungry wreck of a woman. Um, and it's kind of ironic how she ends up in both of these movies, Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, killing a Terminator, except this time it's with immense remorse and grief instead of relief, which you would have not expected would ever be happening um, from the ending of the first movie. Uh, this film exploded in popularity upon release among all audiences, even winning... Uh, it was four Oscars for Best Visual Effects, Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing, and Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Um, sure, all these films are expected to be great considering the budget, uh, but for them to be recognized by the Academy, which has historically looked down on uh, blockbuster summer popcorn movies, shows that this is a real triumph of the film and makes a real step up beyond those expectations. Uh, being about such a topical hot-button subject that uh, remains progressively more relevant today, uh, Terminator 2 ages incredibly well, thematically speaking. Um, scaring 1991 American audiences about this possible future after they've just come out from a long period of being paranoid about another sign and potential existential threat to humanity, uh, Russia, the Cold War. Um, and now we're only eight years away from the po uh, apocalyptic future predicted of 29, uh, 2029 that the movie portrays. Now more than ever is the ideal time for humanity to take a look at ourselves and the future we are creating for our children and their children. Alright, so uh, I really love this film. Uh, it's deceivingly profound and relevant and has a really good message but still leaves a pit in your stomach. Uh, this is a film that doesn't hold back in terms of violence, uh, graphic content, it boasts a BBFC 15 age rating which makes it even more impressive that it was able to make so much money. Uh, and yeah, you don't have to watch the first film to appreciate this by the way, uh, by any means this is just a great standalone action film really. Um, I would give this an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, and a 9.5 if I was comparing it to other uh, similar kind of blockbuster action movies of the time. Even comparing it to ones today, it holds up extremely well. Um, but yeah, in terms of where this ranks among the other films I've reviewed here so far, I'd put it in fourth place, uh, just behind Psycho and just above Back to the Future. Uh, I'd highly recommend giving this one a watch. I watched the 2017 remastered HD version, I forgot to mention that. Um, it's available to rent on YouTube for just $3.99. The remaster looks incredible by the way. Uh, it really elevates the look of it a lot, and like the colour grading that I mentioned earlier, that's just done fantastically. So that's a really great price for what could easily pass as a film made in the last decade. Um, and the first Terminator film is available for free if you have Amazon Prime Video, like I do. Um, and let's just not talk about the other films in the franchise. Uh, yeah, they just don't exist as far as we're concerned. Uh, right, so that's uh, my thoughts on Terminator 2, Judgment Day, uh, the 1991 classic action thriller with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, next week it will be The Lion King, the 1994 Disney animated film, cult classic. Uh, well, I guess uh, it will be time for some nostalgia next Friday for me and all of you. Uh, in the meantime, have a great weekend. I hope you enjoyed the episode. 
Uh, and fingers crossed I'll see you back here, same time, same place as usual, uh, right here on the IMDb Top 50 Marathon Podcast.